0: So today, the fourth candle that we lit in the season of Advent is the candle of love that symbolizes love. And today, I want to talk to you about the gift of love. I'll unwrap this a little bit later in the service. How many of you have ever received a gift from someone that spoke to you about how much that person loved you any one for and, and see the thing is is that that's communicated differently depending who you are for some a gift of love may be diamonds and pearls okay <laughs> a gift to others a gift of love to someone else may be a shotgun that's a subtle hint for all the guys. So what I'm saying is this, is whatever that gift is, it, it communicates something special to your heart and it lets you know that you're loved. It may, it may be something that someone thought of. Someone may take a picture and, and have it put into a portrait for you. And, and, and it, it, it just touches your heart in such a way that it, it's very special. To you, I remember seeing my wife brought to tears with a gift, communicating love to her, and it was a very sharp pair of scissors. True story. She she cuts hair. You know she loves to cut hair, and somebody got her some really sharp professional scissors, and a tear came streaming down her eyes. She, oh, thank you huh? No, I didn't either. She said, I didn't know that that would do that to me. And so it it communicates to us differently. How many of you have ever received a gift where someone was trying to communicate love to you, but it kind of missed the mark? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, you know, I don't know about that. Years ago, our son uh, went to have a portrait done of us. We, we got it at Christmas time, and we unwrapped this portrait, and someone, he had taken a picture of us, and someone had sketched us, and it was a chalk. You know, very, very beautiful. And when we unwrapped it, we were just, you know, speechless. Because we couldn't figure out who those two people were. They made Debbie look 10 to 15 years older, and they made me look 20 to 30 pounds heavier. <laughs> and don't you say a word. And so, what happens is it was meant. To communicate love, but it communicated something else. And as a matter of fact, we had to leave the room so we could communicate with one another, because we walked out of the room and said, it, it, "I mean, is this, is this a gag? Is this real? Is this... I mean, what?" And, but it holds a very prominent place in our house, somewhere in the back of a closet. <clears throat> the unique thing about that is, you know, the old saying is, "What goes around comes around." And so, when Jonathan got married, that friend that he had hired to do a painting or a portrait for us decided on his wedding day to do one for him and they displayed it prominently at the reception <laughs> where where when people were coming in and he looked at it and i could tell by the look on his face he was as thrilled as we were <laughs> so gifts gifts of love gifts that communicate to us and speak to us about someone That really cared, someone that really thought about what they were giving. Is there anyone in here that's in a a habit of running out at the last minute and doing all your Christmas shopping and and uh, you know and good luck with that? (laughs) What are you saying? Because then by it's usually picked over, right? And so it's like, oh, I should have got this earlier. I should have. But a gift that's thought out. A gift that is spent that, that you know someone spent time i had a gift like that given to me one time it was a gift that touched me in such a profound way that it i i, I literally broke and what it was is you know my father you, you know that my father died when i was 15 years old and so my children never met him they didn't know anything about him, and there wasn't a lot that I could communicate to them about his time in the service, if you would put that picture up. My dad was in the Navy during the Korean War. Dad never really talked a lot about his time in the Navy, but my son saw that picture of him, and there was a bar on his chest there, and he, he asked a Navy SEAL that was known to out people, And what I mean by that is people that had received awards that really weren't theirs. And he would out them. He would discover them and he would out them because he felt like medals and honors should be something sacred. And so Jonathan asked if he would be willing to help him find out about his father. When he saw that bar on my dad's chest, he immediately accepted. He said, that's not an ordinary he said your father your grandfather wasn't an ordinary soldier he said that that's a presidential bar he said you don't get that unless you've done something noteworthy he uncovered i didn't know dad had won all those medals he didn't have them you know he, he never went out and bought them and purchased them for himself they were in his record there's a book in my office that my son had printed for me. And it tells about my dad's time and the service. He served on an aircraft carrier and he kept planes flying during a bombing raid that lasted over a year. It just kept going day after day after day. He kept them flying. He kept helicopters going that were rescuing men that had been in crashes that were landing in the sea. And 24 hours a day, they kept this stuff running. But dad never said anything. When they showed me that and there was a video that they had made and they played for me and I just broke, I I, I couldn't believe it. And then there are certain honors that you're not allowed, that, that they have to be presented by someone that is a service member and has to be a certain rank as a service member to give that honor. I had no clue. And, and when I'm in my living room, what I did not know is in my den, there was a decorated officer waiting. And when that video stopped, he stepped around in full uniform and presented to me an award on behalf of my father. So it, it, that, was a, that was a gift that spoke love to me. I thought about all the gifts that God has given The Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind concerning you. He didn't call you to do something at some point in your life, and then because you screwed up, he changed his mind. That gift, that calling is still there. He's just waiting for us to get it worked out, to get it sorted through so we can be who he always called us to be. But there is a gift of love that preceded all these other gifts. A gift that came before there was ever a gift of salvation in our hearts. And that gift is recorded in the book of Luke, the second chapter, starting with the eighth verse. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Did you pick it up? Did you see the gift? Look at verse 11, for there is born to you. That that just leaped out at the page at me, born to you. Not to Mary, not to Joseph, and not even to God, but born to you, a Savior. What was the angel saying? The angel was saying, you don't need to be afraid. You need to rejoice because there's a gift of love that God has sent into the world for you. For God so loved the world that he gave. Gave what? Gave his only begotten son. Did you ever stop and consider this? Do you ever make the statement to God, I'm the one that should have been crucified. I'm the one that should have suffered. I was praying, I prayed that prayer on several occasions, but the, the conclusion of that prayer is always this, but even if I had been crucified, I'd still be lost. Because my life was not a spotless life. My life was not a sinless life. And so the only way that I could be saved is for God to love me so much that he would rather die for me than live without me. And he communicated that to us in Christ. That, my friend, is a powerful gift of love. Someone say he loves us. born to you a savior christ the lord do you know what that little phrase christ the lord that what that's translated to from greek it means the messiah supreme in authority what he did for us was a choice no one took his life he laid it down no one was able to snatch him Away And, and this, I, I, I thought about when he prayed his final prayer, he prayed and he made a statement. He said, thank you, God, for those that you have given me, that none has been able to take them away from me. not I haven't lost one of them. It's a love that reaches beyond our faults and sees our need. It's a love that moves past what's wrong with us and begins to show us the right way. But you know, this gift of love that God gave in Christ, he communicated it more than just when Jesus came and was born in a manger. He communicated it in an even deeper fashion with greater meaning. Found in Romans 5 and 8, when he makes a statement, he said, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he committed to us before we ever committed to him. He chose us before we chose him. Can any of you remember a time in your life when you really weren't that serious about your walk with God? Wave your hand at me if you can. My hand's up. I I can. And I thought about that, and then I contrasted that to the love of God. Because there's never been a time that existed when God wasn't serious about us. There's never been a moment in this history of this universe that God wasn't committed to us, wasn't serious about us, Insomuch so that it says that he was a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He knew you would mess up before you did and loved you anyway knew you would blow it before you even got your pucker up and forgave you anyway, made a way for us through Christ. Somebody say, that's love. I thought about that kind of love, and that kind of love is a sure and steadfast love. You remember sayings about love? You know, we talk about love, and we describe it in all kinds of ways. You know, we talk about love synonymous with pizza. Oh, I love me some pepperoni. We talk about loving shoes. Oh, these shoes are just wonderful. You know, I feel like I'm walking on air. And then when we go to bed at night, we tuck our shoes in the bed beside us, hoping they get a good night's rest. that's that that, that's ridiculous right these are innate objects you know you may like that but to ascribe love to that but there's a steadfast love that comes from God I thought about how that we how many of you remember dating you know when you were younger you remember your first date I know some of you are a little hesitant to my wife I was not her first kiss but I was her last What are you you talking about? I'm saying that sometimes people are fickle. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had somebody fickle love you, you know, or have you ever loved someone when you were fickle? You know what I'm talking about? It's like on Tuesday, you oh, man, I love you so much. On Thursday, I don't ever want to see you again. It's because our emotions control us. Our emotions give... It's like they, they cause us to respond in ways and act in ways that we never thought we would. But our emotions get away from us. We lose control of our emotions. How many of you have ever been driving, going down the road? You're happy. You're singing. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. And you're singing a new song now. And you're, if you're not careful, you find yourself chasing people through town. Ben does that all the time. <laughs> of course, he's got two lights on what he's chasing him with, but so we we are our emotions affect the way we love. But he was committed to us. God never based his love on for us on an emotional high or a low. God's love has been constant for us. There's never been a time that you haven't been on his mind. Never been a moment that he hasn't loved you. That kind of love you can't find in human hearts. It's a love that passes understanding. It's written about in Romans 8 and 35 when Paul makes a statement, "Who." shall separate us from the love of Christ. It's, it, it's actually written, you understand that these, the, the, the Scripture was written without punctuation. There was no punctuation in Scripture. And here, the translators pose that as a question. When I read it, I can't help but read it as a statement. Who is going to separate us from the love of Christ? In other words, it's like, and and if you read the rest of it, you can see that it is a statement. Paul's not asking the question, trying to think and live in fear that there's something out there that might separate us from the love of Christ. Paul is saying, I know in whom I've trusted, in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that I've committed to him against that day. What's Paul saying? Look, his love for me is steadfast. It's unmovable and it's sure. And so here when he makes this statement, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? The answer is no. And it's been proven throughout history across the world. Places that are in famine where people are starving to death. You find people there that are still loving God. Famine hasn't been able to separate them from the love of Christ. And Places where our war torn and, 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 and buildings are being bombed and lives are being lost. The sword has not been able to separate them from the love of Christ. As a matter of fact, thousands upon thousands of people have given their life because of His love. Paul goes on and says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, I've looked at it all and there's nothing that can separate Christ from loving us. Now, he wasn't talking about us loving Christ. Sometimes our love gets so fickle that when something happens, we throw up our hands ready to quit. Aren't you glad that any of you, well, you don't have to raise your hand on here, just let me pose this question. Does anybody in here ever quit on God? Isn't it comforting to know that when you quit on God, he doesn't quit on you? that he keeps loving you. He understands you're going through a rough time right now, and I'm not riding you off and saying, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. He's extending his hands to you, saying, whosoever will, let him come. He's letting you know that he's there, and he's ready to free you and surrender you to his will. Then we ask the question, but how how can we love God when we've never seen him? I mean, how, how is it possible to love God if you haven't seen him? And yet, Peter addresses this. And listen to what Peter tells us. First 1 Peter 1 and 8. Listen to what he says. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, You trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this grace of salvation prepared for you. They wondered what type or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. People that prophesied about his coming and they desired to know about it, they said, no, this isn't, this isn't about your time this is about, for unto you, a Savior is born. Unto you. And what will we do with that gift of love? Will we embrace him? You know, it's, it's an amazing thing because I've seen folks reject love, but they reject it out of fear. They reject it because they're not sure I thought about we've got cats that showed up at our house and I don't know whose cats they are. All I know is they're hungry cats and, and they were baby cats and, and I, I, those cats were so cute and they were so cuddly and they looked so loving and they were, looked so hungry. So I went inside and I got a piece of meat to give to them and I went out there, kitty, kitty, kitty. I didn't think those cats were so cute anymore when I saw blood coming out of my hand. Those cats striked me, swatted me. What'd you do? I went and got my shotgun. No, I didn't. didn't. But sometimes that's our response, isn't it? Is that when we're hurt, we hurt back. That when we're swatted at, we like to do a little bit of swatting ourselves. What'd you do? Well, we kept feeding them. They're warming up to Debbie. (laughs) They keep showing up. I started putting gloves on. (laughs) Went out there and put it down kitty, kitty, kitty. Go ahead. Had a spoon in the other hand. <laughs> and now they're taking food without striking. Matter of fact, their dad was just like they were. Isn't it odd how some things go back from generation to generation? Their dad used to swat at us, too. I don't know where he came from either. <laughs> but a 4-year-old girl, I guess she was 4 when it happened, I'm not sure, 4 or 5, took that older cat and tamed it. She would our granddaughter would sit next to that cat while it was eating. And she did that day after day until now that cat will come up and want to be petted. All it took was a little love. All it took was somebody showing love to tame the beast, to put to rest the anger, to heal the hurt or the fears that those animals had gone through. And if an animal is smart enough to respond to love, (laughs) aren't we smart enough to respond to it as well? And God knew that we would live in a broken world and we would have broken hearts and there would be times where we were wrestling with depression and anxiety and fears, but he said, you know what? I'm gonna love you through it. I'm not going to turn you loose in the middle of it. I'm gonna hang on to you. I'm going to keep drawing you close to me. And after a while, when those fears come, you're not going to swat and you're not going to slap. You're going to say, God, here I am. I need you because love is power powerful. We may have never seen him, but I've sure enough felt him. How about you? You ever feel him just wrap his arms around you? Oh, I couldn't see tangible arms, but I'm telling you, I felt them. I felt him holding me. I felt him loving me when I didn't love myself. I felt him caring when I didn't care, even though I couldn't see him. And that's what Peter writes about. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you trust him. What's he saying? He's saying you don't only trust him, but now you are rejoicing with glorious, inexpressible joy. Now, King James said it this way. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. What's Peter saying? Just give him a chance. Just open your heart. And when you do, you're going to discover that he's more than you ever hoped for. That he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think. Just ask Ronnie. Ronnie came to us several years ago. Ronnie wasn't in good shape when he came in here. His life was a part. I'm not. Come up here, Ronnie, would you? He, you? I know you see him. You may not know who he is, but this is the guy that during the beginning of service is roaming around. <laughs> and he's, he's shaking hands and hugging folks. Why? Because he found something. See, there he goes again. He, he, come here. He found something that he had been looking for. When Ronnie first came here, Ronnie's life was a mess. He, he, his thinking was a mess. But then all of a sudden, Ronnie started feeling something the love of God.
1: Do
0: yes. you know where he was feeling it? Coming from you. Ronnie came to me, this has been several years ago, after he'd been coming for some time, and Ronnie came to me and he said, you guys saved my life. Yes, yeah, see. And I thought about what God does. God shows you love so you can show that same love to someone else because he loved us. We ought to love one another. When he reached out his arms and wrapped around me, it made me want to reach out my arms and wrap around someone else and let them know, you're not alone, you're not by yourself. There's a God that cares. There's a God that understands and there's a God that can deliver. Give Ronnie a big hand. Thank you, Ronnie. He loves, I don't have to see him to love him. Just ask Fanny Crosby. That's your cue. There. Fanny Crosby was born in 1820 and lived in 1915. She was born blind. Listen to what she says. I feel a hundred hymns in my head. The Lord has given me a purpose in my life. Blind. Blind. But she wasn't blind to his love. She could understand. How's that possible? It's a gift. Everyone say, it's a gift. Well, aren't you anxious to open gifts? Any of you ever peek in your gifts? Not me. I want to be surprised. So when I open a gift at the house, girl, you wrap that good. When I opened a gift at the house, I've, I had no clue what's inside. All I know is that it was given out of a response of love. God so loved the world that he gave. How can I love him and never have seen him? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. How, how, how is that possible that I can love him and having not seen him? Because when I how did Fanny love him? She was blind. Fanny could love him. She not only not seen him, she never seen anybody. But here's the deal is that Fanny had heard. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing what? The word of God, and the more she heard this word, the clearer a picture she got of him, until she made the statement that there are a hundred hymns in my head, she would write over almost 9,000 hymns in her lifetime. She wrote hymns like Near My God to Thee. She wrote Blessed Assurance. Every time she, you see, her eyes could never see, but she saw better than many people ever see because she saw His love. She saw the reality of who He was, and she couldn't help but put a pen to it and begin to. Sing about it. I know that when I sing, sometimes I 'm out of tune, but only to you. I'm telling you that when God hears me singing, he gets excited. It was, "That's my boy." He's saying Now he's probably not excited if I'm saying about Jeremiah was a bullfrog. But when he hears me singing about him. And my love for him i can't help but think that he makes heaven hush for a second (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) it's my boy that's my girl when we on sunday mornings gather in here and we begin to worship god and they they come together and the reason they come to that they're not practicing worship They're making sure they know the words and they've got that together. But when we worship, something happens in this building. You feel it every Sunday. When all of a sudden you turn your face away from the things you're going through, you quit looking at what you're facing and you begin to look toward him. It changes everything. Somebody say it with me. Love is a powerful force. I want you to watch this clip.
1: is a story that took place at the UMass Memorial Hospital in Worcester, Massachusetts in 1995. On October 17th, twin girls Kyrie and Brielle Jackson were born there, 12 weeks before their due date. Each of them weighed less than a kilogram at birth. By the intensive care rules, each girl was placed in a separate incubator. It was supposed to help avoid the possibility of the girls getting infections from each other. From the very first days, Kyrie began to gain weight and develop well, but her twin sister Brielle wasn't doing quite that well. She could hardly breathe, had heart problems and low oxygen saturation. Things got much worse on November 12th. Baby Brielle cried for so long that she developed serious breathing problems. Her skin was turning blue. Seeing her bluish gray fingers, the parents were in despair. When Brielle's condition became critical, nurse Gail decided to try a different approach to bring her back to life. She did this with the parents' consent, who were willing to try anything for their baby to get better. This practice was used in many European countries, but was virtually unknown in the States. The nurse put the stronger girl in the incubator with her dying sister, and very soon, a miracle happened. As soon as the girls were placed together, Brielle moved closer to Kyrie and began to calm Depp. But an even greater shock for the adults was still coming. Kyrie suddenly held out her tiny hand and hugged her sick sister. Almost immediately, Brielle's heart rate stabilized and her temperature normalized. One might not have believed it if it weren't for the photo and recording devices. Everyone was in tears. The girls were left together and despite the limited space, they both began to develop much faster, especially Brielle. She was showing significant changes for the better. The story and the photographs of the two babies made it into the pages of Life and Reader's Digest. The moment when Kyrie hugged her little sister was called The Saving Hug. The
0: Saving Hug. When God, if, if, if we respond that way as humans to a human touch, how do you think we respond when we're hugged by heaven? For God so loved the world that he gave. He wrapped his arms around us and hugged us. It was a saving hug. To you, a savior is born. It changed our lives forever. Now, freely you've received, freely give. How many of you have been touched by the saving hug of God? Wait, stand up with me. If if you've been touched by God's saving hug, stand up. Now, if you haven't been touched by it, You can be today. He loves you. He demonstrates that love toward us, the Scripture said, and that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Before we ever said yes to him, he said yes to us. So here's my question to you. After having been loved that way, What's it make you want to do? They used to say, Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Makes you love everybody. Makes you love everybody. So, what God has given to us, we need to be willing to give of ourselves to others. The Scripture said by this, "Shall all men know you that my disciples, is that you have love one toward another. It's easy for me to say, "I love you, but it's another thing for me to get that love to you, for you to understand that there's a God that cares more than we ever could possibly know. You say, "Well, pastor, that's just a fluke. That story happens 18 years ago now. That just a fluke, no. 2018, it happened again, except this time it was two brothers, twins. It was the same scenario, it was here in the States. One boy was dying, the other was thriving. The mother put them in the crib together because the doctor said, hope is gone. You need to say goodbye to your baby. So they brought the baby's brother, the twin, to the hospital to say goodbye. When they placed the twin in the crib with his brother, the brother began to respond. Instantly, his vitals went up. His oxygen levels increased. They took the boy away that night and left, and they thought he's getting better but his brother took another turn for the worse they said you need to come back in and you need to say goodbyes. He's he's gotten worse now, but this time the parents knew exactly where they were going to do. They're thinking, we're not coming in to say goodbye. They grabbed his brother, took him in, put him back in that crib, and left him in that crib, and he got better and better and better until all of a sudden he was well enough to go home. I'm telling you that love will make a way where there seems to be no way. And so today, God wants to wrap his arms around you, just like those babies wrapped around each other. But sometimes the way that God does that is he uses someone else to communicate that to you. So if you're in this building today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I need that. I need to feel that love. Or you may be in here saying, Pastor, I've felt that, and I desperately want to be able to communicate that to someone else. If you're in here today, and either one of those are where you're at, I want to invite you down to the front of this building right now very quickly. I'm only going to hold for a moment. You have to make a decision how you're going to live your life. Are you going to live your life closed? a closed door, and just keep it all in, or are you going to share what God's done for you? This is the season for sharing. So if you're ready to share, I want you to come down here right now. I'm going to count to three. By the time I get to three, one, two, they're coming. grew up next to my friend. His name was Greg. He was like a brother to me. We were real close in age. I took Greg with us when we went fishing. We went camping. I remember the day that Greg looked at me and he said, I wish your dad was my dad. See, I'd watch Greg's dad. I'd watch Greg's dad get drunk and chase him through the yard and hit him with his fists. I'd watched his mother yell at him, run, Gregory, run. I watched his dad stagger across, not even knowing where he was or who he was. And those words echoed in my mind, I wish your dad was my dad. I couldn't make my father his father but I can now. I said, I can now. And so you've been given an opportunity to let your dad be their dad. You've been given an opportunity to be able to open your heart and share and let those folks know, hey, you know what? You're loved, you're cared about, you're valued, you've got a purpose. God's got a plan for your life. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to walk around feeling like you're all alone and you're lost and you've got no direction. God, in one instant, made that all right in Christ. He's already done it. And all you have to do is open up your hearts, quit swatting at his love, quit swatting at hands that are trying to help you. Yes. And just open your heart and say, here I am God, love me. She sings this song today. I wonder if you would gather in and I wonder if you just share a hug with someone right now. If you would just take a moment and grab somebody by the hand because what you're doing is you're communicating to them something that they need you're letting them know that hey there's a God that loves you there's a God that cares about you there's a God that's able it's a come here Louise just a second I thought about this she, Louise has been so faithful for so many years And she she did so many conferences and that, and then it's been a struggle for her because now she's wrestling with her own health issues, and she was always praying for others that had those. But she continues to come, even when she's hurting. And I thought about the power of a hug. Come here, Dad. My wife's a hugging machine. Most people come here and they won't leave until they get a hug from debbie and I believe there's healing in hugs so would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now you know for for years in your life you've you, it, it's like you've You've seen this cloud that's overshadowed you and it's followed you and it's been hard for you to break that chain. And it feels like there's always in, in your mind that there's this gloom and doom that tries to hover. But God's saying, no, no, I I I I am I'm, I'm going to lift that off of you. That's not who you are. That's what the world tries to put on you. He came that you can have life and have that life more abundantly. He said it's joy unspeakable. Yeah, that in Jesus' name. Just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now.
1: For God so loved thank you, the world that lives in us. God, I thank you, Father, for your healing touch. Your
0: only son to save God. us Jesus. whoever believes in, in him will live. Guys, I love this today. I just looked around and it just dawned on that mostly guys are up here. And guys have a real problem hugging folks. I've had... (laughs) I I love that. You don't know how many guys I've I've walked up and shook their hand and felt that. You know, because they thought, oh, no, you ain't coming for me. There's something about a hug that melts walls. There's something about a hug that opens the hearts we've got to let God open us up because God wants to use us. God wants to flow through us. How many of you are ready to let God flow through you? Are you ready to do that? Then right where you're at, you don't have to come up here, but right where you're at, if you're ready to let God flow through you, I want you to get a hold of someone by the hand right now and just hug them. Just hug them and, and say, I, I just want God to flow through me. I, I just want God to use me as the vessel that he now all across this building, all across, world, across this building. The world that he gave us is one
1: and only son to save us forever.
0: We're we're going to pray over the food, and I'm going to let you go in just a second. But let me leave you with this: Yesterday, there was a young man that came here, and he was ringing the bell. and Dwayne went to answer the door, and he said, "I just want to talk to someone." And Dwayne knew I was in the study or in my office studying, and he didn't want to disturb me. and He finally called and said, "Pastor, there's a guy out here, and he said he's got to talk to somebody." So I went outside, and when I began to talk to him, he said, I'm just going to let you know up front, I really don't believe in God and all this. He said, but I'm I, he said, i I'm, I'm losing my, my faith in humanity. And I said, I just need to talk to someone. So we went down to McDonald's, and I let him talk for a while and listen to what he was facing and what he'd gone through. And then I looked at him, and I said, now, when you came, you said that You know, you'd lost your hope in humanity, but you don't believe in God. (laughs) The only hope for humanity is God. (laughs) And as I began to lay out to him the scripture and God's love and what God did and what he wants to accomplish in our lives. And he kept trying to, you know, use the, the, the intellectual arguments, but I'm telling you the answers already, are the, the, the scriptures answered those questions. And so I just kept talking to him. And at, at the end of the day, he looked at me and he said, I want to thank you. He said, I mean, it's not like I'm confessing that I've given my heart to Jesus or anything. He said, but you've restored my hope in humanity and i thought no what i've really done is restored your hope in god but he just don't know it yet so I, i i believe i want you to pray for him right now his name's eric i'm believing that god is going to continue to let that seed grow that's been planted and that we're going to see him here amen father we thank you today we ask you to touch eric god just apprehend his heart father let him feel your love bring him in Lord let him know how much you care for him we ask in Jesus name for your glory we thank you for our church family for this time of year God we rejoice in the season of love God the season of Christmas and you being that gift today we pray that we can communicate that gift to others help us to love one another the way that you've loved us we pray your blessing over the food today God bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.